Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Being a parent can be really challenging. It's normal to feel uncertain about whether you're doing the right things to raise healthy and happy children. That's why Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them build confidence in their parenting journey. Everyone deserves to have someone they can turn to for support with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. And what's up? Welcome in GC Live. This is the Tuesday episode of the show. I am Wes Mitchell alongside Chris Clark. As always, we got a lot of Gamecock football to talk about today. We really, Chris, didn't get into near as much football on Monday as I wanted to. Shane Beamer also providing a week three update on the progress of the South Carolina football team as spring practice rolls on, actually right at the midway point now. So we're going to talk some football. But first, uh, I got to tell you about our buddy Clint Hammond of the Mortgage Network, clinthammond.com. You see it right above my head. Every single show, if you watch it on YouTube, NMLS number is 71597. Email address is chammond at mortgagenetwork.com. Several phone number options right there you see on the screen, 803-576-4450. Again, like we always tell you, if you're in the market for a new home, give Clint a shout. He can help walk you through what is sometimes a daunting process and make it very simple. Again, we always appreciate Clint for being a long-term presenting sponsor right here on GC Live. Um, Like I said, Chris, we wanted to talk football yesterday. We got to, I think, about the 52-minute mark of the show and we still hadn't talked any football. We did close it out with some ball, but um, I wanted to continue that conversation and talk a bit about what Shane Beamer had to say today during his press conference. Not the most newsy press conference, you would say, in in the world, but uh, still always newsworthy when the head coach talks. So uh, I I guess your initial thoughts, impressions, uh, takeaways from Beamer's chat today, man. Well, I mean, he mentioned that the team is banged up and the, the, what you you don't like hearing that if you're a Gamecock fan, but what you do like hearing is no serious injuries, right? So we know that, for instance, one of South Carolina's absolutely key players this year, Jaheim Bell, remained sidelined with a hamstring injury. Beamer mentioned that they had some groin issues, some hamstring issues across this team, but nothing serious, which is good, right? Um, as far as we know, Marshawn Lloyd's still been out there at practice. A lot of starters still in place. But what this has allowed for is, you know, some of the youngsters to go out there and get some more run. Obviously, tight end's been hard hit. Jaheim Bell, who is called a tight end, but he's not. Marcus Satterfield saying he's a wingback. Trey Kenyon's been out. Austin Stogner's not in Columbia right now. So they're very, very thin at the tight end spot. But at some other spots, you know, they've had some guys, whether it's because of injury or defections, Aaron Sterling, J.J. Nigbare, for instance, they've been able to get some of these youngsters some some much-needed run in spring, which is really 
That's what it's about is continuing to develop, continuing to develop some of these young guys. Definitely, man. I want to give a shout out to everybody on our chat line. See several folks already weighing in. Hope y'all are doing well. Hope uh, wherever you are joining us from that it is as nice of a day as it is in Columbia right now. Beautiful. Uh, very few clouds in the sky. The sun is out. It is awesome in Cola. Again, practice number seven was this morning. Practice number eight will be Thursday morning. We'll actually get to watch a bit of that first five sessions, Chris, and then first scrimmage on Saturday. As Beamer said, though, it it sounds like the scrimmage is going to be somewhat determined as far as the logistics of it by exactly who all is available, who gets banged up between now and then. And I I agree, man. I, I think that's kind of the story right now. Like it has gotten to the point in spring, and I kind of feel like unless you're just incredibly lucky, pretty much every team gets to a point in the spring where it's kind of, it's like injury season, basically, and it's luckily for South Carolina, as we've said, as they've said, there's nothing, you know, that that is expected to linger into the offseason. I I think, um, you know, there there's some guys, there's some guys that have been missing that haven't even been mentioned yet by Beamer, that it is more just along the lines of, okay, if, if it's a veteran guy and, you know, you, you have these soft tissue issues, um, there is no reason on the planet to risk this being one of those things where you rush a guy back and then it's all oh, he's out for three weeks again. Then you get into, you know, a guy starts missing time, missing time. He wants to get back to summer workouts, wants to get back up to capacity as far as weightlifting goes, right? tries to get back out there, pushes it, and then you're at another three or four weeks. And we, I mean, how many times have we seen a guy have a, quote, off-season injury and it just lingers, lingers, lingers? So I, I think they're they're kind of being careful. They've got bumps, bruises, um, ankles, um, ankles, groins, hamstrings, stuff like that. When, when you have physical practices and when you're practicing as much as they, there's as much movement going on as there is right now, those things are kind of par for the course. So I, I think, um, you know, it is at the point where it's kind of affecting practice, it sounds like, as far as position groups just sort of getting knocked out, so to speak. But, um, hey, that opens up opportunities for, for other guys, and uh, we'll see who can take advantage. I will say this, a small takeaway that caught my attention, not injury-related, but um, Tyreek Johnson getting a little bit of love today from Shane Beamer. Um, he's been rotating in. Uh, from what we have seen and heard with kind of the twos at, at one of the edge spots. And Chris, you know, he's one of those guys that he's been, he's been here a while. It's kind of like, um, not, to, I'm not, I'm not trying to put a negative slant on it, but it's kind of like, it has to be now or never for a guy like Tariq Johnson. So that's a kid. I think um, always has come across as a, as a great sort of low key dude, no problems off the field ever just sort of has gone about his business, has dealt with his own injuries. But um, somewhat noteworthy, I would think, that that Beamer kind of singled him out today. Yeah, and if you asked me, uh, your next question to me, if it was anything in the realm of what did you hear next from Beamer, or hey, who were some under-the-radar guys, who were some of the guys that have been able to get more run in practice because of defections, that's exactly where I was going was Tyreek Johnson. Um, you know, there have been spurts during his career of USC at USC, which, like you said, Wes, he has had injuries. That's been a part of his journey and a part of his story at South Carolina. He had the ACL. He's had some other injuries that have really held him back. 
but he's always the one thing we've consistently seen and heard from him is that he's just a really technical, fundamentally sound type of guy. Even when he was a freshman, which was what, 2018 Wes? Is that right? I think he was 2017 class gray shirted, right? Or something like that came in. So I just remember when he was a freshman, lots of guys ahead of him hearing that he was a really technically sound guy. And even in the windows of practice that we've gotten between now and then, you will see some of that. So there have been some little flashes for Johnson. He's not going to be, you know, as physically gifted as uh, Jordan Birch, for instance. But he does have some experience. He is a guy that's got heavy hands. Um, and he's a guy that's interesting. So, uh, it, it, look, that's the position. We talked about this, hit on this a little bit the other day. It is very – it is imperative that Jordan Birch and Jordan Strong, A, can take the leap from playing 20, 25 snaps a game to playing 40, 50 as the starters and be very productive. And it's also imperative for some of the guys that have been behind them, Tyreek, Gilbert Edmond, Hot Rod Fitton. These are the guys that need to step up. Um, so I think I see Johnson as a key player this year, even if it's just in a reserve role. Yeah, um, uh, another point here from uh, Nectario saying it was nice to hear Hank Manos has stepped up his game a bit. Uh, absolutely, you know Hank has Hank has always looked the part, man. Uh, big physical kid, great wrestler in high school. I mean, I'll be honest, I had some high expectations for Hank to be when they signed him for Hank to be a future starter at, at center for South Carolina. He got a couple opportunities that didn't work out. He fell to the back of the pack. And, um, you know, again, another kid that works hard, carries himself well, does things the right way. It just um, has, has not worked out on the field to this point. So interesting to hear that. Spring is one of those times, Chris, where sometimes you do have fool's gold. You know what I mean? Like you sometimes guys get mentioned this time of year and we're like, oh, that guy's taking – taking that step, taking that leap. And then fall comes along and it just doesn't carry over. And then other times that this is the beginning of a guy sort of taking that next step in his career. Josh Van, for example, last year started to sort of build on some things in the off season, then ended up having an outstanding uh, preseason camp in the fall. And then has obviously the best season of his college career. So, um, you never, I, I never take spring mentionings as like the gospel as far as the fall goes, but they are still noteworthy in that. Okay, it's it's better than not being mentioned, and to, you know, you know, right? Like if if they're yeah. not being mentioned at all, and and going back to your your point on uh, Tyreek Johnson, even if Tyreek is not a guy who's just going to be, you know, a guy that goes out there and wrecks shop, you know, just is dominant. There is a place, there's always a place for guys to play a role on a team, you know? And, and with the lack of proven depth at those positions, even if Strong and Birch are, even if they were world beaters and phenomenal players, I think they're still looking for who, who's going to step up behind them. I, I think you can probably say Terrell Dawkins is going to be in a position. Like there, I, I believe, have been some good signs there, Chris. My my interpretation, you tell me what you think. I, I think Dawkins is sort of still feeling his way uh, around, but I think from an athleticism standpoint, we hear that it's there, and I think he has the right mindset. So I still think you can maybe pencil him in as one of those reserves. But otherwise, you know, T 
Tariq Johnson. I mean, I don't know, Gilbert Edmond, maybe. I, I think it, it's going to be difficult. I, I don't see any freshmen coming in and really having the opportunity to be a major player at that edge spot. Uh, Westmoreland is already playing more linebacker, it seems. So I, I think it's got to be among that group, right? Yeah, I think it is. Um, you know, you mentioned Dawkins, and you've got Johnson, you've got Gilbert Edmond, who you mentioned also, you know, Hot Rod Fitton, and Fitton's been around a while too. It's another one of those guys of, okay, th- this is your opportunity. And it's going to be, you know, again, going back to it, critical. I mean, you can't expect Birch and Strong, and they have their own work to do, right, to be able to – Remember what South Carolina is losing. Aaron Sterling, who played 15 years at Carolina and was a really, really productive and underrated player. And J.J. Nubari, who's going to be a second, third round draft pick, probably, you know, just mocked to the Green Bay Packers, actually, less in the third round by by one expert at NFL Network. So um, they're losing some talent there. But it's, it's critical. Again, you go look through the snap counts last year. It's not – the same two guys playing all the snaps. You need some guys to come in and play 15, 20, 25 snaps for you as those backups, and then you're always just an injury way. So they have some guys. They just haven't had a lot of guys that have done it. Terrell Dawkins, he's a relatively young player. He's coming into a new scheme. They've been very upfront about the fact that this scheme suits him better, but nonetheless, he's still learning a new scheme. He's learning new tactics, new drills under Sterling Lucas, bringing some stuff from the NFL um, but he does have – I get the same sense you do. Feeling his way through it, but physically in terms of the size, the tools, they're there, and and they need to continue to hone those as time goes on. Yeah, I think there there's some interesting there's, – there's some younger guys, Chris, on this roster that aren't quite to the point maybe of Tyreek Johnson as far as being what I would call like that crossroads where it's kind of like now or never. But there are some younger guys who are getting, um, from everything we're told, extra – practice reps because of what is happening around them. Um, you know, so Craig brings up Shirai Green. I, I think, um, I, obviously, there's going to be an opportunity for Shirai, if he's back completely to 100%, to have a huge year, I think, and to be a starter. And I think if you're penciling things in, um, you know, Brad Johnson and Shirai Green are, are probably your starters as you zoom ahead to the fall. But, um you know, South Carolina has been, by all indications, very careful with Shirai Green about not mixing him in there uh, too early. Um, they've actually been careful with Brad Johnson as well. And, um, you know, so you look at linebacker. Th- this has been, I would say, a really big spring, really big opportunity for your guys like Debo Williams, uh, your guys like Mo Caba. Um, Both those guys are working with the second team right now are getting a lot of first-team reps. South Carolina has been banged up, uh, you know, in the secondary. Uh, David Spalding uh, still limited or out. Some other guys have been nicked up as well. That's provided opportunities, A, for Cam Smith to play some nickel. That's provided opportunities for a guy who's been a, a bit forgotten, like a Ladarian Craig, to take some reps with the ones, Isaiah Norris to get some reps with the ones. So th- that's given opportunities to other guys to get out there and, and play quite a bit. Um, Lots of rotation at wide receiver with Antoine Wells Jr. and Xavier Leggett fighting it out. Um, so, so spring is, you know, it's an opportunity for you to go show that you're ready, show you're making progress. And, you know, I, I think it's interesting with those young linebackers. They were very, I would say, hesitant to play those guys a lot last year. As the year went on, they sort of 
maybe in some cases were forced to, but they tried to mix them in, but it still seemed like they didn't rotate them quite as much as maybe you'd want to in a perfect world. Um, I'm I'm very curious to see what happens in the secondary, Chris. The more I see, the more I hear, the more I think about it. I'm wondering if if the best 11, like so the best five in the secondary, doesn't actually involve playing Cam Smith at nickel. Like I, I really think as far as what are your best five players? Um, if you have if you have Cam at nickelback, then Darius Rush and Marcellus Dial as your your outside cornerbacks. Uh, and then of course Devonnie Reed, RJ Roderick, they're gonna be your starters at safety. I think that's almost a thousand percent. But that that may be your best, I would say, scenario as far as getting the the best guys on the field at, at one time. It could be the best combo, and especially when you kind of put it up against that backdrop of what they are looking at at safety. You know, you've got Devonnie Reed, who seems to I don't know if we can absolutely permanent marker that one in but seems like Devonnie reed's gonna be a starter he got a shout out from beamer today for i'm gonna permanently marker that okay one. yeah I, well i was gonna say i was being a little bit who, more conservative but i think we can. Who, who's gonna who's gonna beat him out would be yeah, my question right. like no offense to anyone else but yeah, that's right because of depth i mean for one and yeah. then he's come in and he's been working with the ones and he's been the guy right so yeah we yeah. can probably I, I was too conservative there and then other than that you know I mean, R.J. Roderick's there, right? And R.J. Roderick could play nickel, but he's needed at safety. So it's who's your nickel? You don't have Carlin Splatel. David Spalding's been out. He can play it. But it is to a degree, Wes. I mean, it's about getting those best five on. We know Darius Rush has really come on and made strides in his career. Marcellus Dial. You have some other guys at corner like Isaiah Norris, Ladarian Craig, as you mentioned. But, yeah, maybe maybe that all shakes out. And they played Cam Summit nickel, and they may enter the season and say this is what we need to go with because – we don't want to pull a guy from safety down to play nickel. And, hey, here's a guy in Cam Smith who can cover. He can stick with your smaller slot guys. He's also big and physical enough to go and take on blocks on the edge, you know, pulling linemen, tight ends who are going to be blocking out there. He, he's not going to be a guy you worry about being soft out on the perimeter. Now, your point about linebacker, yeah, Bam Scott, he's even been out some, right? He's He's been limited. Um, Colby Fields transferred in the offseason to LSU. A guy who didn't factor in last year, might have this year. The guy that I'm intrigued with, we talked about this off the show, Donovan Westmoreland. Beamer mentioned him by name just as being a guy that, you know, kind of looped him in with some freshmen, right? Of, hey, Brad Johnson is going to know what to do more than some of these freshmen, DeAndre Martin, Donovan Westmoreland. But Donovan Westmoreland, First of all, I was very intrigued that he is playing wheelbacker as opposed to being an edge guy because of his size. Once he figures out what to do and learns to play in space, I think he could be really good. Physically, he can run, um, he can move, he's, he's got some pop. I, I think he, he's done, from what I've heard, he's, he's made a couple plays that have really made him flash uh, during spring ball. Yeah, and uh... – physically a great word to use because I think he is a physical kid. You watch, you watch his high school film. A, a lot of it, Chris, is playing that edge role. In high school, plenty big enough to do that. In college, I think at one point they were sort of projecting him out. Could he be an edge guy? I think you look at him, you put eyeballs on him. He looks like a linebacker, right? Like he looks like a true 
inside um, traditional linebacker. But to your point, once he gets settled in, I, I do think this is a kid that, um, by all indications, I think we can officially put him in that circle this guy category that he could be a surprise down the road because it's not really someone that the fans were like talking about a ton, you know, even though he he's committed to Georgia at one point, Georgia's not taking guys that are awful, you know, like Georgia, if you're getting, ta- if Georgia is taking you and, and I don't, I don't care what the scenario is when you drop out of their class, if Georgia has taken you at some point, you are good at the game of football in high school, you know, so, and you're an in-state guy too. So I, you know, I, I'm with you, man. That's it. That's go ahead. Circle that guy. Let's see. Let's see what comes of it. He's not, I wouldn't think going to be forced into action this year, but again, you never know. You never know what spot is going to be that one where you start getting down to that third string. Right. And I, I think right now he's probably firmly in the conversation. Like we said, Debo and Mo. They're kind of your your second string, but are playing a lot with the ones right now. Westmoreland, it seems like, is is very much in the the running for for that that third string spot, and uh, I think that'd be a good place for him to go ahead, maybe play the whole play four games and redshirt route. Could be the perfect world for him, but he also, Chris, his skill set probably lends itself very well to special teams. So, you know. Most of the guys that were in that category, they found a way to redshirt. We did see in an occasion, you know, Nick Barrett, he was pretty much a special teams only guy, but they chose not to redshirt him. So uh, I think we're getting ahead of ourselves, but something to keep an eye on right there. Uh, Someone asked about Stone Blanton. Chris, I mean, you weigh in. I think we're both very high on Stone Blanton. Hard to say. Like there, there's nothing new there because he's not in for spring practice. So we can't like give you anything fresh on like progress or anything like that. He's playing baseball with this high school team right now, but uh, he's a guy I think we both really liked as a prospect when they landed him. Yeah. G- great kid. I think he's going to be one of those types of guys. I-, I think he has kind of that future leader type of vibe to him. When you, when you listen to him talk, you see what he's all about. So yeah, he'll have an opportunity again. Is it, you know, reasonable to expect him to come in and, and play a bunch of snaps every game as a true freshman? Probably not, especially when you consider that, you know, it, it is still a situation where you've got Sherrod Green, as long as he's healthy, you know, is going to come back, right? Um, you got Brad Johnson at the wheelbacker position, and you got some other guys that have, you know, generally that have some, um, you know, some experience back there, whether it's uh, Mo Caba, whether it's Debo Williams, got some guys that are in for spring ball. But I, I'm like you, Wes. I have high expectations ultimately um, with, with Stone Blanton. We just don't have anything new on him since he's not in. Yeah, and, and so we'll, you know, we'll certainly be paying attention to that in the fall. How quickly does he pick it up? Um, and, and again, what what's the progress of the guys in front of him? Does, does Mo Caba take that step? Does Debo Williams take that step? Um Important to remember, Debo's only been here one season. You know, he was a transfer, but he was a young transfer. You know, he wasn't a wasn't a junior transfer. He was a young transfer. So that's important to remember. And then, you know, Chris, I, I think with the with Mo Caba, though, he's kind of starting to get to that point where he's a little bit older. Time is starting to tick. Not that it's, hey, last opportunity contract year type thing, but you are starting to get to the point where – you want to maybe take that that next step forward and, and important to remember 
I think he was a little bit slowed coming off that that knee injury when he first arrived at South Carolina. Probably slowed the development a little bit, uh, slowed him down physically a little bit, but certainly a guy to watch, see if he can continue to get comfortable in this defense. Um, let's see, where do we want to go next? We didn't we didn't talk about a guy yesterday, Chris, um, because there was just so much going on. But Gamecocks continue to appear to be in great shape with another possible 2022 roster addition and wide receiver Corey Rucker. Um, he followed through with his official visit to Utah State. Um, he right now he had talked about taking a visit to Virginia Tech potentially as well. Um, we'll see if that actually happens or not. Uh, I do know I know he he most recently told Phil Cornblute that he was down to South Carolina and Utah State. Um, from what I've been told, he will be back on campus uh, for the spring game. Going to bring his mom on an unofficial visit. He's already taken an official visit to the Gamecocks, but. I got to say, man, I, I think they're in great shape there. My prediction would point to the Gamecocks with him. And we talked, I mean, you remember we talked all offseason. What could they add? What skill sets could they add from the transfer portal at wide receiver? Antoine Wells Jr., some some positive signs for him on the field. And now potentially Corey Rucker. Other than maybe like a couple of these just super high-profile Oklahoma guys that people were dreaming about um, early on, I, I don't know that you could have done much better. Yeah, I mean those, those again. It's about being resourceful. Like when you, if you get past those no-brainer types, you know. Remember at that one point where Theo Weiss was in the the transfer portal. He ends up going back to Oklahoma. Jadon Hazelwood also from Oklahoma in the transfer portal. He has a connection, high school connection, ends up you know, with Arkansas. So when you get past guys like that, it's about taking the, the best available player and being resourceful with it. And so while Antoine Wells didn't play at Virginia Tech, whoops, not my mic over, Wes, while he didn't play at Virginia Tech, he did play at James Madison, and he played extremely well there. And the returns, by the way, on Wells have been quite good. Corey Rucker. Wasn't a big-time prospect out of high school. Didn't play at a big-time school. He played at Sun Belt, right, at, at Arkansas State, but he's very productive, and he has traits. And so you look for guys that have done it at A level, and then you, you bring them up. So I think that would be two really good gets. Um, I think a lot of people are probably wondering, what's the deal with Utah State? Connection there, of course, is Rucker played Arkansas State for Blake Anderson. He was the head coach there in 2020. Now he's the head man at Utah State. So there is some familiarity there. Um, I wouldn't say it's a courtesy visit by any means. Really good relationship by all indications with Blake Anderson and a lot of other programs, bigger schools, quote unquote, than Utah State have certainly been in the mix there uh, as well for Rucker. Yeah, and I, I think all transfers are not created equal, both in terms of talent, obviously, that's that's a given, but in terms of eligibility that's left, man. And I, I do think, Yes, there are some guys South Carolina has taken where it was just purely such a need that you're willing to take a one-year guy, right? Uh, you know, Christian Bill Smith at running back. They really needed to add some experience to that position. That's what they did. Devonnie Reed at safety, same deal. Um, you know, Spencer Rattler has eligibility left. Let's be honest. Um, if everything goes to plan for Spencer Rattler, he's probably at South Carolina for one season. Now, on the other hand, you look at some other guys like Antoine Wells Jr., um, Lavoisier Carroll, who has a little bit more, I would say, of a projection because he's going from DB 
back to running back, but, uh, you know, has four years of eligibility left, actually, because he redshirted. Corey Rucker, three years of eligibility left. So if they can close this out and and land him, um, kind of looking ahead, Chris, from what I've been told, man, this was going to be, and if you look at the roster, easy to see why, this was going to be a huge receiver class for South Carolina. I'm talking, you know, maybe maybe you have to take four guys looking ahead to 2023. If they can get Rucker, I think that lessens the need to take, you know, that that full four or five guys class, and it sort of dials it back to maybe you can take three guys if you get the, the right three. And I think you always kind of, if you if you can, you want to avoid what I would call those, um, those kind of Spurrier classes where, you know, say, say what you want about Steve Spurrier, but, I mean, you and I have talked about this before. Remember, every every class – there was like at least one position where it's like, oh, they're going to take seven tight ends this class because every tight end is going to graduate or transfer this year. You know, so you you want to avoid that and stay somewhat balanced, right? And I think the portal helps you do that. It does. Now it's a a great gap filler, you know, and South Carolina obviously has some shorter and, you know, longer-term gaps. And and with the portal, as you you said, the points you made, you can kind of hit on both those things. So you can – hit on a short-term need where Antoine Wells, Corey Rucker, you know, they can help you in the short term and they can also help you in the long term because as opposed to feeling that pressure and anxiety of bringing in a guy, I've got to bring in three guys that can help next year. Well, yeah, you still need to bring in three guys, but you can bring them, maybe you bring them along quicker. Maybe one plays next year as a true freshman and then you can kind of bring two along more slowly because you've got a guy who's back from that previous class as a transfer who played for you this year. And he can also play for you the next year, maybe even one after that. Speaking of pressure and anxiety, Chris, <laughs> um, I'm going to help you cure your tax anxiety with our friends at Liberty tax right here in Columbia, 803-462-5576. Um, actually, anytime we bring up a chat that is technically brought to you by our good friends at the Liberty tax team, They've got locations in Columbia, in Irmo, and in Lexington. Again, it's 803-462-5576. You see it scrolling on your screen at the very bottom if you're watching us on YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter. And uh, Larry and the tax team at Liberty Tax, right now they're going to be open late. They're going to be open on weekends. They can do in-person tax prep. They can do online sort of just like Zoom-type tax prep as well. So whatever you're most comfortable with, whatever you need right now to make sure that your tax season goes very very smoothly uh check out our friends right there at liberty tax they are a pretty new sponsor here still on gc live and we appreciate larry uh letting us be a part of what is certainly their busiest season of the year so give them a shout 803-462-5576 chris let's change gears before we get out of here gg jackson the most famous man in columbia as far as hoops go well as far as men's hoops go right now, would have to be Gigi Jackson. And um, Lamont Paris, South Carolina's new men's basketball coach, meeting with him on Monday. Um, I want to go ahead and invite, I won't say push, I say invite everyone to go check out GamecockCentral.com. Colin Taylor doing an excellent job of uh, getting an interview with Coach Stoneman from uh, from Ridgeview. And... Uh, he, he gave some reaction, gave some some knowledge on how that visit went. But um, I don't know, man. This is going to be very interesting. It feels to me – tell me if this is the vibe you get as well. It feels to me like 
Gigi Jackson, his family, are kind of at the point where they're like, we're not leaning to South Carolina by any means right now, but we're listening. Like we're we're willing, we're willing to have the conversation. Now that could obviously start to go one of two ways. If you're a Gamecock fan, you hope there's maybe another official visit to campus. But that that's my vibe. They're listening, and it's very going to be very difficult to predict what's going to happen at this point in the process. Yeah, and obviously, what what we all thought before Frank Martin's departure is that it looked pretty favorable on the GG Jackson front. And then all this kind of threw that into doubt. So the, the number one question was, will Paris be able to get a foot in the door with GG Jackson in his camp? And the answer to that has been yes, which is certainly a positive development. What does it mean beyond that? We don't know yet. So um, I think the biggest step is to, to prolong that process, right? So there's been a lot of talk, not even rumor. I mean, GG has said it hadn't really outlined a specific date but has mentioned several times that he's moving closer to a decision. So they need him to kind of prolong that process and then maybe another visit to Carolina and and see where it goes from there. And there's not a familiarity level there with Gigi Jackson, his family, with Lamont Paris. It's all brand new. There are certain elements of the Gamecock basketball program that are there. I think the good news or one of the selling points for Paris would be some of the same things are still in place. Columbia, stay at home, be the face of the program. It's about these other factors that they're going to have to overcome. And it, and it will be difficult, uh, in my opinion, but they're listening. And like you said, I think that's a positive. I think, realistically, Chris, um, and this isn't from any information, this is just, I would say, almost common sense. One of the biggest things to overcome, other than the obvious, which is the long-time relationship, with Frank Martin and the staff um, among not just UG Jackson, but his parents and Frank Martin and staff. The other part, the perception of the program right now with the number of guys hitting the transfer portal. I think we all knew that it was very likely a lot of guys were going to hit the portal. We didn't know necessarily exactly how many, exactly which guys. If you're Frank Martin and – all things being all other things being equal and you were back here you're probably selling look um we got this young guy in Devin Carter that's coming back um we we've got uh, this younger guy Taquan Woodley who I think is going to take another step uh Jermaine Kusnar and Eric Stevenson are saying they're going to use their covid year at South Carolina you're not really ever using the word rebuild right the teams that South Carolina is battling for GG Jackson right now are going to say we're in a far better place as a program. And if you are a one and done, you don't, you don't want to have to carry the whole program on your back for, for the one year. So I I think, yes, the the relationship has, you know, that's going to be tough to overcome. But the other part, Chris, is just the, the reality of it being a different situation. Now, the other sort of intriguing part of this is, we're all maybe still thinking of Gigi Jackson as like maybe being a 2022 kid, but technically he's still a class of 2023 prospect. So, you know, maybe it's not so much that if you're Lamont Paris, that you're selling him on this coming year's team being, you know, a juggernaut or something, you're, you're kind of selling him on, Hey, 
this is what it's going to be when you get here. Maybe, maybe you sort of back off of that whole enroll early thing and start pushing for 2023. That's right. That might be the better strategy for South Carolina. And, I mean, you look at the other schools on Gigi's list, right? It's a great point that you made. North Carolina and Duke, two Blue Bloods who are, oh, by the way, in the Final Four. You've got Auburn. You've got the G League, which is get paid now type of thing. And so there, there's some heavy hitters and then things that play there. So, again, uphill battle. Uphill battle, in my opinion, given all these different circumstances. But listening, you, you've got your foot in the door. you got to try to keep it there for as long as you can. And uh, we'll, we'll keep following it. Colin, like you said, did a, did a great job getting some more insight in that. Check that out on GamecockCentral.com. If you are a subscriber, you can get that insight and much more. And we'll just keep following it and see where it goes. Yeah, if you're not a subscriber, you can get right now four months for ten bucks total. Um, I'm, you know what? I'm gonna if y'all are watching live right now as we record, I'm gonna go ahead and throw that link onto the YouTube page. Um, try to throw it on the Facebook page too. But I'll, I'll give you one positive and one negative from from the article. In my opinion, the positive was uh, let's take this quote right here. Um, from Stallman, he said, uh, I quote, I think if they had made their minds up, um, he came in talking about Paris. Paris came in and really made them think, quote, ah, maybe I need to wait a little longer. I think the longer they wait, the more an opportunity South Carolina will have. So um, Stallman goes on to say, at one time his decision was to be after the Final Four and before his AAU season kicks off. He was wanting to do that. But the pitch that coach gave maybe extends it out. So Stoneman is essentially admitting, um, hey, this this sit down might have been enough to get him to extend the process out a little bit. That has to be considered a win for South Carolina. The part that I would say has to be considered a negative is that Mama wasn't on this visit uh, or in this visit. It wasn't. They didn't go to South Carolina, they're at Ridgeview, but Mama wasn't there. Um, I don't know the logistics. Maybe she had to be at work or something. I don't know. But I know as close as this family seems, her getting to meet Lamont Paris and um, kind of hear and see the vision for herself is going to be a major part of this process as well. So we'll see. Does that happen? Does that happen soon? Is there another visit? Um, again, Colin doing a great job. The link is right there. Y'all go check it out. Uh, but it's going to be fun, Chris. It's going to be fun to see it play out, I think. Yeah, it is. And, the, again, they need more time. They need more time, Lamont Paris does, uh, to, to kind of navigate this process. They need to prolong it. And, obviously, the more face time that Gigi and his parents, his family, and those around him get with Lamont Paris, the better. So, another visit to campus, not that hard logistically to make happen. They need that to happen. It needs to be a higher comfort level. Beforehand, there is a big-time comfort level with all the people around the South Carolina program. Those, those people have changed, so the circumstances have changed. Certainly, man. Um, all right, y'all, I think that's about it. Uh, as you mentioned, though, dude, how about the fact that Duke and North Carolina have never played in the NCAA tournament? That's hard to believe. That is insane to me. Very we, hard. We've seen... We've seen, you know, the the only thing I can compare it to for us is South Carolina and Clemson 
playing in Omaha in baseball. Um, but, but that's happened um, multiple times. And South Carolina has played Clemson in a regional setting as well. So it has happened in the tournament. But um, it was kind of funny. I, I was reading some stuff online. North Carolina and Duke fans, before the game was actually set, it was when North Carolina was played. When, it, when it, you could already start to tell, all right, if Duke wins and North Carolina wins, like this could realistically happen. You could already tell there was a little bit of nervousness about how long do your bragging rights last if you beat your bitter rival in the final four. You know what I mean? Like regular season games don't count for at least five years, I feel like. Like there, there's no talk. They, you know, if one team wins and the other one wins in the regular season next year, there's nothing the team that just won in the regular season can ever say. Especially, so on one side, Chris, North Carolina could end Coach K's career with a loss to them by blocking their way to a national championship while going to the title game themselves. So this is an old school WWF retirement match for Coach K. And on the other side, Coach K and Duke could give one last bird (laughs) to UNC. We're going to kick you out of the tournament on our way to a title, on our way to a storybook ending to Krzyzewski's career. So, I mean, it's going to be overblown by the TV networks, but I really think it's probably worth – the WWE could not have come up with a better script than this. (laughs) I, and I really, I, I feel like if Duke does win, that some some force is going to conspire to just, all right, K made the title game. We're going to have to just give it to him now. You know, I mean, imagine if they won, if they beat UNC, did all these miracle, these dream scenario things for Duke fans and Coach K, and they got the title game and lost. I just don't feel like that's going to happen. Somehow, yeah. somehow something's going to happen. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And and most people are going to say that that something is the refs. The refs, yeah. That was a good one. Well, lots of lots of ref talk last night uh, in the UConn NC State game. Mm-hmm. Shocker! Yeah, y'all aren't gonna believe this. The refs may have helped UConn. I know. I know. Yeah. And and there was one. I almost. I, I gotta say this. I know we gotta go. I almost put something on Twitter the other night before uh, the night that South Carolina played their Elite Eight game. Then Stanford played. You go to the front page of ESPN to look at something. Women's basketball page was looking up something. And not on, normally they have the game that's coming up as the lead. South Carolina not played yet. This is 4 p.m. They have Stanford up. And is Stanford the best team ever, best team in the country, something like that? Then they have them up at 9 o'clock. No mention of South Carolina. Almost tweeted that out for the people to kind of gnaw on that a little bit. Kind of yeah, see where we're going to – you're gonna get them going a little bit, man. Yeah, well, yeah. I I think Don Staley though, and this team sort of feeds off of. Oh, they that do energy. Yeah, they definitely do. Um, I don't know, man. I'm. Do what? They probably saw that page. Somebody sent yeah, it to. Yeah, Chris. I'm. I'm not by any means a women's basketball expert, but I I did I watched Michigan and Louisville. I really think the Gamecocks are going to the national title. 
Like I, I, I watched both those teams, and if if it if Michigan could have pulled it out, I was like, there's no way this team is going to beat South Carolina. Like I was, I was that confident. I, just, I don't think they can keep up with Carolina's athleticism and size. Like they looked a step slower. Um, Louisville will be a tough test. It'll be a great test, but I do think South Carolina is the far better team. Um, now South Carolina and Stanford, which is what I think it's going to end up being. Is going to be an absolute just battle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, well, great game earlier this year um, in Columbia. It was a great game. Stanford is a tough matchup for anybody, but they have more counters to South Carolina's strengths, which is inside play because they have 10 girls who are six, five or more, it seems like. Yeah. Well, they just recruit twins, they just <laughs> right. have doubles out there. They have doubles out there. So. Yeah, but I no, I, I I think Stanford and South Carolina are the two best teams in, in the country. That's fair. And I, I, and I hope it comes down to that because I think it'll be good for the game. And then all bets are off at that point, whichever team like makes the plays, gets the breaks on that given night in that given scenario will be the one that, that goes home with the title. On the men's side, I just have a feeling Duke is um I don't know, man. They're uh they're just they they seem destined, I feel like. Makes sense. Um, so we'll see, man. All right, that's going to do it. You got anything else? Nope, I'm good. All right, he's Chris Clark. I am Wes Mitchell. Uh, hit the subscribe button on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button on the podcast. Uh, like, review, subscribe, do all those things, and we'll be back later on this week. For Chris, I'm Wes. We'll see you then. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.